fight the base. Yeah. Ask not what your boys can do for you. Welcome to the Haas Boys Podcast. All things Formula One in the U.S. of A. To my left, I have Parker. What's up? To my right, I have Mike. Yo, yo. Oh, that was an amazing... I, it was. That was a great way to start. Yeah, this one's live, baby. <laughs> that <laughs> intro just hit like we're on the radio. It was yeah. great. Um, Welcome to Fish FM. We are fish fresh and ready to f- fry those fish fresh fillets. Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel's fresh fried fish. <laughs> oh, man. We have an amazing theme song. Um, yeah. So we props do. to us for getting that theme song. Props. Oh, yeah. I was thinking on the way home from work today, you guys, if we could provide the Haas Formula One team with a theme song, like a walkout song, if they were walking out onto the baseball field to hit or they're walking out into the ring on WWE, yeah. what is the Haas's theme song for Ooh. this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably uh, anything by Aqua. <laughs> Dr. Jones, yeah, yeah. Barbie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can you name more than two? No. I don't listen to them often. <laughs> That's Max more than I, I don't do. listen to Aqua and um, Vanga Boys a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a bang. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boom, boom, boom by Vanga Boys. Boom, 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 boom. I want you in my room. Let's spend the night together from now until forever. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Oh man, it's like it's got to be a mixture of some Florida Georgia line and some Toblerone chocolate theme. I'm just uh, kidding. We're, if we're talking geolocation, <laughs> it's not a good mixed bag. Wait, wait, what's that song? <clears throat> Lagrange by ZZ Top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not bad. Wow. Not bad. I was thinking Radar Love by Gold Earring. Or oh. is that the the band name? It would be cool to have it be an American rock song. Let's get a, let's get a sample of that. I want to hear that. This song? Yeah. Who's the band Gold, Golden? Golden Earring. Oh, this is great. Good driving song. And then that and then that chorus is Raid on Love. I've been driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's I've been good. driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. Good. Not a bad choice. Not a bad choice, no. Or something by The Boss. By who? The Boss. Bruce Springsteen. Like what? Oh, I don't know. Like <laughs> Born to Run? Yeah, Born to Run. You want to yeah. play Born to Run? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the Haas. It's the Boss Haas. Oh, my gosh. There's just no respect for Bruce Springsteen on this side of the table. I just can't get there. You're not. You're not alone. I oh, like, okay. but I'm gonna respect at least that he is American. <laughs> he is American. Yeah. I like Bruce Springsteen, but I don't think his music is like high energy out the gate. Let's go. Yeah, it's not that vibe. It's off key, and it's usually very noisy. Guys, I love Dancing in the Dark. It is good. That song's good. And I love I'm on Fire. There's a lot of great Bruce songs. I mean, Thin yeah, Lizzy the as we're brainstorming. The ZZ, the Lagrange is great. Yeah. It's a great driving. Song. I would say, I would say, like a cool Kavinsky track, but it doesn't Ooh. fit. It doesn't fit. It it's doesn't good. fit. Yeah, you but know? it's like we want like an American driving song. I was thinking, if we're out for points, Pusha T numbers on the board. If we went hip hop, 
What, like this? Yeah, this this beat, this beat is a good beat. Oh, I yeah. got numbers on the board. Yeah, we're out for points. How to get a handle up. on this double-edged so sword? Yeah, that's good. With that double-edged sword. Yeah, I, I've already made this reference before, but Kevin's theme song this week is P- "Protect Your Neck." Nice. <laughs> wow. Uh, of course, that's genius. The woo. That's that is genius. Good job. It uh, seems as though it's got to be in it's got to be in the running for mm-hmm. him at least. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should have a song for every <laughs> race. <laughs> I'm down. Right. Cook it up. Cook it up each weekend for you. Yeah. It's a new Haas mixtape. But yeah, I'm like even when it comes to American rock and roll, you mm-hmm. know, I'm quick to jump to Credence or you know, <laughs> Credence for yeah, I love Fortunate Credence. CCR is great. Mm, yeah. Fortunate Son would have made a lot of sense prior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really would have. That really would have. Prior to Kevin, I think it might have made more sense. But maybe it makes more well, sense now. Well, it's about somebody not yeah. being a Fortunate Son, I guess son, that's though, true. So it makes, it makes good sense now. Definitely a good one. Yeah. Wow. If you have any ideas, send them to us yeah. and we'll review them. Yeah, we'll post it up on the Instagram story with a little text box. Yeah. You can fill in your best guess. Yeah, we'll try it on some Haas footage. Bowlers, I put numbers on the boards. Hard to get a handle on his double-edged sword. Whether rapping or I'm rapping to a whore, might reach back and read after wrapping up his raw. Moving on, talking about Haas this year, it's been very exciting already. Two races deep. We've Kind of gave me a good idea, a good idea of uh, who Haas is out there racing against. Looking forward into the next season, who do you guys think is going to be Haas's biggest rivals this season? You know, oddly enough, Mercedes, I think uh, it's kind of funny because they're playing in the same area, but it's almost like they're playing a different game. But the facts are that they're going to be rubbing tires this whole season. In, in one way or another, they're mm. going to be rubbing tires. It's like third, like a third grader sitting in the same sandbox as a sixth grader. Right. Even though Mercedes is struggling, it, it does seem like Haas is going to not be able to take that fight completely to them. But so far, they are. They're still fighting for places against each other They're as in the of same now. same spots, yeah. yeah. So I definitely agree with that. I think Mercedes and, and Haas are competing for the same spot. You know, initially in the season, they said that McLaren was going to be competing with Haas. And I think... There was some underestimation yeah. of just how quick the Haas car was. Right. But I, th- you know, I, my guess is is that Haas is competing with Mercedes, Alfa Romeo, and Alpine. Mm, right. For Mercedes, the thing that they have over Haas, because right now their engines, like Kevin Magnussen's keeping up with Lewis and just behind George Russell, like he's in there. But what Mercedes has is two consistent drivers. We've only seen Mick race once this year. Mm-hmm. If we see Mick become more consistent up in the points, then I think then that will be a more even competition between Mercedes and Haas. Yeah, I, I'd have to say that's the thing I'm most excited about for this season is like, okay, we've seen what Kevin can do on a good day and on a real bad day. Can we get Mick up there and see, you know, can we see these guys driving next to each other? Yeah. Uh, so uh, stoked. And I think that plays into the strategy as well. Potentially putting Kevin in a better position or Mick in a better position against the Mercedes because there's another car factor. Yeah. 
that's how they're going to play their strategy for pit. That's how they're going to play their strategy for like the long run in a race. Mm -hmm. So having a second car there means that there is some ability to undercut a Mercedes car <laughs> and force an issue, and that could really be cool. <laughs> we could see some cool moments this mm. year, man. What if? What if we saw that? Some one-twos against these teams playing together. Because we've never seen, like, we haven't seen that for so long. Right. Haas doing these, you know, one-two moves against a team, mm -hmm. another team together because it's just been so chaotic for so long. Right. Like, and in what the if points. we saw that? Oh, my gosh. You know, we're talking, we've seen some of this with Kevin and Romain, but it was, you know, in the bottom of the ranks. Right. Mm. Good fights way in the back. Yeah. Be cool to see some cooperation between these guys, maybe some, you know, defending for the other dude or whatever it is up near the front. Be really exciting. And and not that there's ever a damper on any point in the pack where the fight is. Certainly the not. The reality is is it's televised. Mhm. Mm your top 10 is where they're focusing. Yeah. And so to see that take place on TV is essentially the thing that we're the most excited about this season. Yeah, you focus on the top 10 and then wherever Lewis is. Yeah. <laughs> And then Jensen, and back at the front, <laughs> here's Charles. How long do you think Mercedes is going to be where they're at in the pack? My opinion, mm, I think by summer break, they have, it, they have it figured out. Okay. And he's fighting Max. I think Mercedes is back to podium positions consistently by <laughs> summer break. Can a team change their aero theory completely? That's a good question. I think it, as long as it's been tested, yeah. So that, again, that kind of goes back to our conversation about Ferrari. Yeah. With the innovation of the nose cone, that they could kind of just switch that out however they want because they've had it crash tested. So with Mercedes, they did introduce a car that had a different side pod to start. And they did yeah. test that car, which means that that car has actually been crash tested and had been approved to be able to run. Gotcha. So say that Mercedes wanted to go back on the zero pod idea because they feel that the other car could do the the other car would do less on the porpoising then potentially they could go completely a different direction with the design theory gotcha but ultimately at the end of the day trying to improve the car you have is their best investment of course especially with the budget cap right so if they were <clears throat> so if they were to try a brand new era theory throw some stuff at the wall mid-season, they, they could risk, you know, with a couple of big crashes, they could, they could risk hitting that budget cap. Big time, especially with the fact that you're talking wind tunnel development time now and what that's going to cost for a car that's completely different. But something right. that I was listening to in an interview with Otmar, Otmar is already... Otmar Schaffenauer. Otmar Schaffenauer, our favorite... Schaffenauer of the day <laughs> is uh, Otmar has what? What is Otmar Schaffenauer doing right now? I wonder. Oh man, what is that guy doing? I think about that a lot. What's he doing tonight? <laughs> What's he thinking about? <laughs> is he staring into the stars, pondering? Is he might be having some nice cheese? Having some night cheese? <laughs> Sitting in a slanket, having some night working cheese. on his night cheese. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I see him too, sitting in a slanket, working on his night cheese. Okay, so wherever he is right now, what is he? What else is going on, Mike? <laughs> I don't believe they asked him in the F1 Nation podcast whether or not he was in a slanket eating some night cheese. They but should have. They should have. You're right. This is where we're. Which is why we get to fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. If he's not going to tell us. We just have to assume. Right. We have to. <laughs> we have to assume, and then when we get him on, we're going to fill in the gaps that the other F1 press is not digging into because they're too afraid. Asking the questions that are too hard to ask. That's right. They're <laughs> afraid. 
And what's good about us is we're independently funded and we can ask the hard questions. We can, we can use some of that material. Yeah. We could use it. Yeah. Yeah. But back to the, <laughs> you know, the point here is that Otmar was talking, um, he was in an interview about how the car that they're going to bring, you know, in a few weeks from now is substantially upgraded and completely different from kind of what the car looks like right now. Oh, no kidding. Was Otmar's that this week? Alpine. Correct. And maybe, let me... Well, that'd be, that'd be it, cool. I could have completely they, missed... They put up a heck of a race last is, in, in Jetta. And this is good because Alpine is another rival of Haas for sure. They're going to be... Yeah. yeah, they're going to be clashing all year. It's cool because when you're at the back and you're fighting Williams, what are you learning? That's a good question. But when you're in the front and you're fighting these teams that are like at the bleeding edge... Mm -hmm. you're going to be making those same steps forward to keep the leg up. And so mm -hmm. we'll really get to see what uh, Haas has technically this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, two races is still a tiny amount of reference data, even for the fans, of what to predict and see from here. Lando Norris finished fifth or seventh. I think it was seventh yeah. this last weekend. And that was a huge improvement from yeah. the first race. Huge. Yeah. Hmm. And so McLaren is not out of this running yet. Granted, this last race saw a total finishing number of 13 cars. It was a very high retirement. Seven cars yeah. were out of the race by the time the race was over, which yeah. is a lot. Yeah. And so does that mean that Lando's seventh place is potentially up for debate on whether or not he would have landed that if he had all th you know those seven extra cars on track? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. But an interesting thing with learning at the back and trying to move forward is that... What does it take to obtain those extra tenths, those extra seconds? And if you're that far off the pace, how do you overcome a full second? Just kind of my gut says like somebody in the middle is going to be able to get tenths better than somebody in the back is going to mm. be able to get seconds. Yeah, absolutely. That's my, just my sense. And like he said, we're only two races in, and both of those races have been street circuit races. And the first one, uh, Bahrain's a, a kind of a low speed cornering like chicane type of track but lots of straightaways so bahrain is a, a high speed circuit with a lot of like hard braking oh okay and tight cornering and then saudi arabia is a lot of like smooth fast paced cornering like you were saying street circuit so it's narrow oh, okay but at least based off of the two first races we can base one huge thing off of which is how close can they race to each other and how well do they handle in high-speed corners, which is different to last mm -hmm. year's car. Mm -hmm. And so both of them seem to answer the question that the new car is better in oh. that way. To your point, you know, we Albert Park is a completely different track. Albert Park is where? It's in Australia, mate. Ah. Down under, home of the Ricardo. Good old Ricardo. What's not to like about the guy? He's just a real bloke, isn't he? <laughs> Parker's just... <laughs> Just exhaling. I don't know what it even means, but it seems positive. Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to tell. It's real positive. <laughs> Did you see yeah. that he released a boot glass? Yeah. Speaking of Daniel Ricardo, I, what a hero. We can't really say this out loud, but I am so tempted to buy everything he sells. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I can't afford this wine. It's like seventy dollars. I'm like, I'm not gonna wine. But it, like, you get the pack. It comes with the boot canter. Yeah. I looked on eBay for cheap glass boots. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's one, like five bucks. It's like a stein of just like a cowboy yeah, boot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just have like a, a common man's Daniel yeah, Ricardo decanter. So we'll learn over the course of the season. So as more tracks come, who knows? Yeah, I think right now it's really hard to peg everything because we haven't seen it yet. Mm. 
some of these tracks are going to be higher speed in the corners, some of them are going to be lower speed. And something that Lando Norris had pointed out with McLaren, since we were talking about them, is that Lando said that the car is terrible at low-speed corners, which Bahrain exposed. Mm -hmm. And that the car is really good at high-speed corners, which Saudi Arabia showcased. Mm. Some of these cars are going to have strengths in different zones. And so since we're, we've got a decent balance between the two tracks we've seen, but I think that we're going to see some of these cars excel in certain areas that we may not expect. Yeah, and Red Bull, you know, notoriously just to even call out a favorite, is usually the strongest at Monaco. But take this into consideration, Mercedes with their porpoising and some of their other things could reveal that that car's really good at low-speed stuff. And then that car could dominate at Monaco. So mm. we don't know yet. It could be really interesting. Is Alpine going to be someone we should be worried about? I think so. They're a giant. Who was Kevin yeah. Magnussen kind of like going? It was it was Alonso, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, he had he a little fighting, battle with. They were fighting Alonso, yeah, that was for fun. sure. Yeah, it was way fun. And Ocon, I mean, you know, and Ocon, and <laughs> you know, something we didn't talk about last week was the battle between the two of them was really fun to watch, but at times seemed like, how come no one's doing anything about this? Well, and it was great to hear David Croft talking to Otmar. He's like, yeah. so are you going to do anything? He's like, no, we're just going to let him race. Oh, that's super awesome. It was really cool. Yeah. And then didn't he kind of regret it at the end? Oh, I'm sure he had to at some point. <laughs> Because he fell into the clutches of other teams. Wasn't he just like, his head was in his hands, or am I thinking of something else? Alonso's car failed. He did retire. Oh, that might have been it. He was one of the DNFs. Uh Uh, Okay, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think they were pushing it pretty hard between the two of them. You know, they're going to get every ounce of what they can out of the car. And Mm. whether that triggered the failure for Alonso is information that will be available to the team only in that way. Again, it had even pushed them into the clutches of a Valtteri Mm. and that Alfa Romeo was coming up on them. Some was Kevin was right there as well. So, you know, when you battle your teammate that hard, you do put yourself in a situation where you're losing. Yeah. And those tires. Yeah. They're trashed. But it was a great battle. It was enjoyable to watch. They got the most airtime on Sky of anybody. For sure. I love that Haas has the longevity. It's been pushing and it's also lasted the race. Some of these other teams like Alonso's like, it has failed. Red Bull kind of like burnt out that first first race. Toro Rosso. So yeah. Haas is fast and it's lasting the whole race. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, And the Alfa Romeo from Valtteri Bottas did retire this race. Uh, Joe Guan Yu did finish, but... Uh, Valtteri did not. So yeah, even the Ferrari cars. Really are, quick, what happened there? I all I did you read into that? Because on Sky, he basically just pulled in for a pit stop, and then he was in the garage. You know, sometimes teams, and this is an interesting part of the sport that is again playing into budget caps, playing into a lot of like what they're doing each weekend. Sometimes when you're just n- know that your strategies put you in a spot where you're not going to finish at the front, or you're not going to finish in the points, they'll just pull the car off the track. I just wanted to talk a little bit about Mick. Like, when do you think we can see him in the points? Obviously, it's going to be soon. I mean, I think if it wasn't for the accident that he experienced uh-huh. in both tracks now, I think we would have seen it from him. Uh-huh. And uh, again, he's an F2 champ, mm-hmm. so he's no stranger to running in the top 10. It's not like mm. a pressure thing. I, I think that it's more boiled down to just luck of the draw. Kevin's avoided mm. accident and has also qualified in a good position mm-hmm. and that puts you in a good spot and again mick's unfortunate situation in saudi arabia where qualifying is what took him out for the weekend saudi arabia yeah. is a pretty intense track it's newer has mick raced in australia yes with f2 oh. i mean they kind of do they always follow f1 on the same schedule 
They do. Um, they're a support race. There are those separate series, mm-hmm. F3, W series, F2. They're supporting the F1 race and will race before. I think that Mick's experience in F2 has really put him in a position where once he's going to get this window of opportunity, we're going to sh- see him show his stuff, and that's cool. going to be really cool. And I, I think we're all excited about that. Yeah, that moment is obviously coming. Excited for to see him get points. Excited for them to be like a lot more competitive against Alpine and Mercedes and Alfa Romeo for a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. Super awesome. We're already there with Kevin. Mick just needs to, you know, just needs to get in the car. He, I don't know why he didn't get in the car last time. <laughs> he's like, Gunter, can you drive? <laughs> he drove the safety car last week and they just didn't tell anybody. Mm, yeah, yeah. All right. Shifting gears. Uh, let's turn this more to a general F1 discussion. This also aligns with a question we got from one of our listeners. Oh, yeah. This comes from Jaden out of New Jersey, I think. Thank you for the question, Jaden. Awesome, right? Yeah, I you. love getting these questions. He asks, what's the coolest cheat someone has done? Oh, that's a good question, Jaden. I like how it's phrased. Yeah, that's a great I don't know way a lot, but it is like an attitude of, how can we be faster without yeah. telling anyone because we need the edge? Yeah. And it kind of blurs the line between cheating and just being ingenuitive, yeah. like ingenious. As you guys- Cheating is a loose term in racing. Why? <laughs> because cheating is just definition of the rules. <laughs> right, right. It's funny because it's like, push it as hard as you can in this area. Mm-hmm. And if you do it in this area, it's cheating. But if you do it in this area, then it's just winning. <laughs> Seriously. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it really is funny. And as you guys know, one of my favorite aspects of F1 is the engineering side yeah. of things. And so this is like one of my favorite little parts of F1 that just makes it so interesting because there's such a long, cool history of cheats mm. that people have done. And again, it, it's not just the cheats. It's all the technology. And mm-hmm. again, they're doing it all for the same reason. It's like, okay, how do we get from A to B faster than everybody? Yeah. Some of these things are outside of the rules, but they're all just, how can we make metal and fuel and air interact mm. together in a way that will make us faster? And so... I like it, how you, you describe know, that. I'm not a big fan of you know people that are like, like explicitly cheating and there's plenty mm-hmm. of those examples mm-hmm. but i love the examples where they looked at the rule book mm-hmm. and they said here's a tiny little sliver <laughs> and we can do something with that little teeny sliver that will yeah. get us down the track faster and it's like more power to you it's awesome i think mercedes das is essentially the most recent example of something that would be cheating yeah. the most the highest profile most recent example of something that made a huge difference it was that was a technically splash cheating. yeah that became cheating after they did it. After the FIOA Which was Which is like, like the pattern, how it, it seems yeah. like it always follows that pattern. There are, you know, there are definitely some where obviously they knew and they didn't, they got fined a hundred million dollars mm. or something. But yeah, that is the trend. It's like, do something amazing, get away with it for three races or one whole season. Mm-hmm. And then it gets outlawed and then it's quote unquote cheating. Well, what was the Mercedes DAS system? It's, so the Mercedes DAS system is, a, it's an acronym that I actually haven't researched as to what it's for. Digital automated... Synthesizers. It was like a dynamic something suspension. Augmenting. Automated. Automated. Or steering or something. Define the laws of nature. (laughs) Electronic megalith, monolith. (laughs) Throw that jam upon the disc. But it was dual axis steering. Thank you, partner, for the Google there. What is that? The interesting thing about getting your car aligned at a tire shop is that different cars run different 
types of adjustments for how their toe is adjusted. Their pigeon toed or their right whatever toed. What's and, the other one? And essentially, yeah, I don't know, duck. So, but essentially, you do angle your tires slightly in on the steering. Mm. And some cars are more aggressive than others. And the idea behind that is that that very much affects how quickly your car will turn. So if you have a little bit of that inner angle, the second that you turn to the right, it's quicker to go right. Oh, likewise. And it's also left. grabbing the road more. Whereas that your tires faster, but it gets you more grip on the road because both tires are pushing against each other. Oh, okay. Cool. So it's an interesting way that essentially, like if you ran your tires like that constantly, though, you run a greater risk of uh, burning them out. But also it's drag. So you're putting friction into the road and that's going to slow you down. Mm. So the whole idea behind the Mercedes unit was getting tires up to temperature was what they claimed was the full purpose of this, which mm. I do think ultimately was a huge factor. They mm. said that? Yeah. They said it was mainly about getting tires up to right. temperature. Right, right, right. But it also meant that they could, and it, the way that it worked, which was so brilliant, mm -hmm. was that the steering column that was attached to the steering wheel could be pushed in and pulled out, which would adjust the angle of the wheels. Insane. And basically the gain was, is that on the straightaways, they would pull the steering wheel back and this wheels would straighten out and they would fly down the straightaway. So they have none of that drag. <laughs> with no drag. And then as soon as they got to the corner, they pushed the steering wheel back in Fetch. under braking and suddenly the car was more aggressive in Dang the corners. Yeah. And so, so innovative. So, And so really fast. cool. And I, I could tell that it, it really rubbed a lot of the paddock mm. wrong, that none of them thought of it, mm. that there was no, they didn't see that loophole in the book to be able mm. to change something like that. So that one was obviously a more recent example of something that was a splash not necessarily cheating, but in an insane advantage. Insane advantage. Any other cheats? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A million. But one of my favorites is the weight thing. So if you've noticed, before and after a race, these cars are pulled aside, and same with the drivers, and they're always placed on scales. Okay, I see them do that. Yeah. I remember asking you about that like last year. I was like, why are they always getting onto <laughs> scales? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like under the weights umbrella, there's a whole category of cheats uh -huh. and these were the like earlier cheats between the 60s and the 80s when mm. they started you know weighing these cars and people started abusing the mm. weights yeah and this is essentially the Tyrrell same team that had the six wheel car the Tyrrell team uh, decided that they would run their car completely underweight the entire race because they were only weighing the car after the race okay but they knew that there was no way that they could alter the car during the race <laughs> without the FIA noticing so what they did was that during the final pit stop they uh -huh. would put lead into the fuel tanks to get the car up to weight so when the car was weighed after the race, <laughs> it was the proper weight. But for the whole... They used to fuel the cars in this pit This was stops. in 1984. Okay. Now they don't. They, this was back in the refueling okay. era of, of wow. F1. And so, yeah, so they would, they would spray extra water and add lead pellets into the car during their last pit stop. Wow. To get the car up to, to, the, to weight. the weight. And guess who the driver was? No, are you ready for this? Wait, wait, what year? What year was it? 84. Martin Prost. Brundle. Oh! Our, our favorite <laughs> pundit was the driver for Tyrrell at the time when they were doing the weight 
cheat. There's been so many over the years. There's been traction control. There's been active suspension. Active suspension is a really interesting one. Um, where traction control is something that we understand in our modern world. Active suspension is a little bit different. So the idea behind active suspension was to keep the ride height of the car consistent the entire lap. So with aerodynamics being the way that they work and the ride height of the car being worked out at a certain element or a certain height, in order for the aerodynamics to work the way that they were intended in the wind tunnel was to keep the suspension ride height the exact same the entire lap. So they built some code, some very simple code, into a computer in the car that used the active suspension to keep the ride height the same through every corner and every straightaway, and it would fight it. So if it was pushing down in the load Mm -hmm. of a high speed going down a straightaway, it would fight it. Mm. And then as you made a right, the car would roll left. Well, the suspension would counteract it in order to give the best arrow and the best grip. Wow. Something else that these teams would do that was that was widely done for a few years is they would design these super light cars that were too light mm-hmm. and they but they needed to meet the minimum weight with all these other teams. There was one case and I can't remember who, but it was right when the turbo era began, and one of the cars was still naturally aspirated and the other ones were not, so it was a lot lighter. But mm. it was too, too light. And so what they did is they came out on, on day one with brake cooling reservoirs full of water <laughs> that were quote, there unquote, to cool quote unquote brakes. cool the brakes. But really they're just huge tanks of water that are boosting their weight like crazy at the beginning. And yeah. then as they go around the whole race, they just drop <laughs> the water and become super light cars. And then they would weigh them. This was during a time where they'd weigh them at the end. Yeah. It was allowed in that time to refill liquids, any liquid. Mm. And so on the last pit, they'd come in and pit, fill fuel, and then fill those water tanks back up, finish the race, get weighed, and they'd be back up. And that was another case where they, I think it was Joseph Verstappen, they caught them because their car was dumping water and lead shot in the pits <laughs> and they're like what's this Joe? why are there metal bb's falling out of your car and it's amazing how actually like widely accepted this metal shot lead <laughs> technique was like it was used in nascar it was yeah, used in f1 it was funny. like wow. it was the thing to do to get the car to be underweight was during the race have a way to eliminate or you know, dump a bunch of weight, just dump a bunch of lead. Yeah. And because in NASCAR, at least through the eighties and stuff, they weren't weighing the cars after the race. So just mm-hmm. do a pre-race inspection and you're good. Wow. And so a lot of those guys did that same thing. So it's, and that ultimately at the end of the day is cheating. Oh yeah. For <laughs> this sure. wasn't an engineering mar- marvel. <laughs> With Joe's for Stappen, that was 100% cheating. cheating. Yeah. And just since we're talking about Joe's. Yeah. So he's racing for Benetton racing. And uh, they discovered that they could get the fuel into the car 12% faster if they took out this little filter. Basically, it was like a foreign object filter mm. on the pump, it's on the hose itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and they did it for a long time just to get a faster pit stop. And yeah. they find out, the reason that they found out that this was happening is because one pit stop, Joe's, for everyone listening, Max Verstappen's dad pulls into the pit stop they're filling his car and then all of a sudden the entire pit stop 
is engulfed in 15 foot tall flames. Mm. Like in seriously, like a quarter of a second, just boom. And what had happened is a foreign object, which the filter was there to protect against, got in and it messed up the the mating surfaces between the car and the hose. And so the hose just blasted <sighs> fuel out and lit Etch. on fire. And that car is, um, it, it is running wow. as hot as that engine will run. Right. And yeah. so it's like you get any combustible liquid yeah. on the outside of it and it is just going to explode. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, back then it was rocket fuel. Yeah. Mm, they were wow. using tooling. Yeah. Which is liquid <laughs> rocket fuel. Wow. And this was before they changed the rules as they realized, okay, we can mate production car manufacturing with the F1 practice and, and take some of these ideas from F1 mm. and put them into our regular cars as they started, let's be honest, justifying F1. By right. doing that, they switched over to a much more gas similar mm. fuel. But up until that point, it was... Cool. Rocket fuel. Whatever the highest octane available would be yeah. is what they would go for. I yeah. love that anywhere you can find on a car to just shave off like a tenth of a second, it's 12% faster to take the filter off. <laughs> yeah. Like the, you don't think that's going to be a big difference, but it does because you're fighting in like the tenths and hundredths of a second in a yeah. race. Yeah. 100%. It's insane. And so, yeah, look at the car. Like if there's anywhere you can find a little place to yeah. just sliver off any sort of time it's like insane yeah and that's what i love about f1 is they're all doing it it's like let's build a rocket ship that can go around a track and they have a few rules now do your best and try to shave it off that's what's so exciting is it never stopped mm. like we've never stopped getting faster yeah no. you'd think you know you think there'd be a moment that they're like well we this is as fast as we get and it's like, no, we will keep finding ways to mm. become half a second faster every year or whatever it is. It's nuts. Each regulation was essentially designed to slow the teams down. That's the best part of the sport is that it never works. You're right. <laughs> it always ends up being the fastest car ever made. Right. And I think that kind of going into that conversation around the different fuel types, the different, like, the, they go, okay, we need, to, we need to be doing something more simple here. That obviously, is getting out of control. We need to slow them down. And now they're burning a fuel that's much closer to what we would use in our road cars. Right. But there's the fastest F1 cars mm. ever made. <laughs> right. Could you imagine if they were using rocket fuel using at this point? Literal yeah. rocket fuel like nuts. Poor Kevin Magnuson wouldn't would not <laughs> have even just had a slight Seriously. crick in his neck. Yeah. It would have been far worse. Wow. Uh, quick note about fuel. It was 2018 that people were noticing that Ferrari was way, way faster than everyone else. Yeah. Do you know about this? No, it's, but continue, please. Is, th is this about the cheat? Yeah. Okay. So they're hauling and people knew something is happening. They're obviously cheating because they're getting like crazy time on everybody, but not in the corners, only in the straightaways only when fuel consumption is really high. Mm. So it doesn't mean that they're handling better. doesn't mean that they're taking off too much better. But at these high moments of fuel consumption, like when you're at high revs, they have way more power and they're pushing down uh, faster and faster. So Red Bull's move, this is after a year of this, 2018. Red Bull basically put together three theories for what was happening and they put them into a list and put them in front of the FIA and just said, hey, could you clarify 
<laughs> if this stuff is allowed, the FIA looked into Charles Charles Charlotte, Leclerc, Chucky Leclerc Chucky Leclerc's car and found that it was doing two of them. And here's what Ooh. it was doing. The FIA, as we've already talked about, uh, has a mandated fuel pump. Right. They also have a mandated fuel sensor for fuel flow to keep it at, I think it's like 100 liters per hour or something to make sure that nobody's pumping too much fuel into their car at a time. Mm -hmm. It takes a measurement every 2,000 times a second to make sure that the right amount is coming through the tube, basically. What Ferrari was doing was between every one of those measurements, it was pushing more fuel in. So 2,000 times a second, it was increasing the amount of fuel that was going in for that tiny little window. Four hundredths of a millisecond. (laughs) And so by the time that the sensor... By the time the sensor started reading again, yeah. it was like thinking it was normal, but at these high fuel consumption moments, it was just dumping fuel in like way more than anybody else. And the Shoot. other, and then it was also doing one more thing, which was through the oil intercoolers, it was squirting a little bit of oil into the cylinders. And so the cylinders were burning a little bit of oil as well. Crazy. <laughs> Also crazy that Red Bull like tracked it down and investigated it and like oh, put up Horner? theories. Horner is that They're guy that's so just in the suspicious. back and he's just like, he's they are bitter. so he's suspicious. So, he's so bitter. And <laughs> they do not trust anyone. You can't. Right. You can't. <laughs> and the F1 just released a video today. It's a classic where when Daniel Ricciardo was at Red Bull and he just randomly picks up the camera and walks into the Mercedes garage filming in their car and all the Mercedes like techs are just like watching him laughing because it's Daniel like... He's charming and funny. He can do whatever he wants. Right. But besides that, it's like, do not get a camera anywhere near our garage. For the most part, you actually see the mechanics nudge with their shoulders, the lens of even even Sky Sports. They used to have like the blinds. Yeah. They would put over the garage, like don't look in here. And they still do if it's like if Sky Sports has an agreement with with the teams that if a car is mangled in an accident that they are permitted and same by the FIA to, cover to shield the garage as they rebuild the car. Max and I saw that at Monza when Red Bull and Mercedes cars got wrecked. Yeah. That they quickly jumped up on the trucks and were like they do, covering they cover, in tarps. Yeah, that's Which crazy. is hilarious because yeah. the marshal that covered, the Red Bull car got covered perfectly, but the marshal that covered the, you remember this? The marshal that covered the Mercedes car just like wrapped it around the mirror and then around the, red, <laughs> the rear fin and it was just like, you could see it perfectly. Ridiculous. I wonder if he was Italian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. That's what I'm saying. But Ferrari fan, obviously. So, I mean, this has even happened as close as last year. Mercedes got in trouble for having a bit wider gap on their rear wing when it opened up. Oh, yeah. Probably a, a tiny little micro inch or whatever measurement. I don't the even know how squ- you measure stuff. The anymore. micro inches. It's a micro inch? A micro yeah. Inch. Anything smaller than an I inch is a micro inch. I refuse to do metric. It's American. Any, yeah. Anyone with an engineering degree just turned us <laughs> off. <laughs> but they got in trouble because it was opening yeah. a little bit wider. Yeah. And Max got in trouble because he touched the wing and got fined, but... Mercedes just trying to squeak by in little areas. And there's arguments in the past seasons where Christian Horner and Toto Wolf have gone toe-to-toe over this in the past. Toe-toe-toe. Oh. They've gone toe-to-toe with Toto's toes. Maybe that's a new segment is (laughs) toe-to-toe-toe. Yeah, toe to toe toe. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be a new segment. That's, that's good. Anyways, going toe to toe, what they were going at each other over was a flexi wing. And this is a term that was like a buzzword for a few years. 
And it was that that front wing was made of a material that allowed it to flex under pressure. Layered carbon fiber. Rubber to the common man. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) like rubber. (laughs) So by having a front wing that flexed under load meant that 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 would trim itself up and give more of a straight line advantage, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I I honestly didn't listen to that part. I was thinking about a rubber wing. (laughs) (laughs) But our fans will love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just essentially means that when there was more force on the wing during the straights, it would straighten out just like DRS straightens out the back wing. And so it makes the car way lighter in the air. Cool. Not as much downforce, but then when the force comes off the wing into the corners, it pops up. And so they can get a bunch more downforce on the corners. Is that still allowed? No, it isn't. Got rid of it. Well, no, so Red Bull ran this and were successful with it with Sebastian through the championship years. So a long time. On board camera on the nose exposed how much the front wing was uh, moving uh, under pressure. I was under the impression that this was like a few races. No, they ran this thing for a few years. And it wasn't until... It wasn't until an onboard camera on the nose which basically gave it away. They didn't have an onboard camera. Not on the point. nose, I guess. Oh, that's and so crazy. this was kind of a, a new thing. Interestingly enough, the other teams, Ferrari, you know, Renault and everybody, they threw a fit and they're like, we can't, we can't have that. And then as we moved into the new era... Red Bull was very suspicious of the Mercedes mm. front wing. Everyone's paranoid. Everyone's suspicious. And they were pitching fits over it and saying, <laughs> you need to investigate that wing. It's moving. <laughs> and it never came to anything. And I and I felt like it was such a, it was almost like justice. I felt bad for Red Bull in that way, but it was uh-huh. like poetic justice. I'm like, if Mercedes is beating you because of a wing that's flexing, welcome to what everyone else was dealing mm-hmm. with while you were destroying them. Yeah. But the last thing that I wanted to hint to, to touch on was that that this year we're already seeing people, obviously there's things going on right now that I mm-hmm. think that we're going to hear about mm-hmm. that are making the Ferrari so fast. Mm-hmm. But one thing that has become apparent is that the other teams are, just to even talk that much about like the DRS opening on on Hamilton, mm-hmm. how a tiny millimeter of milli change, inch, a milli-inch, excuse me, <laughs> didn't mean to use such the improper term here. <laughs> yeah, grow up. If it was a milli-inch different, <laughs> that that uh, that would be an advantage. Now, the thing that's interesting about the teams is like, if you look back at the launch cars, they're all completely painted. Mm. Fully green for Aston Martin, fully orange for the Papaya, McLaren. Yeah, and all that. Orange. Yeah, but now there's quite a bit of exposed carbon all over the t- the grid. Mm-hmm. And they're all shaving grams off the car to try to get that thing. Uh, to they the take weight. paint off the car, lose a little bit of weight, get a little bit of a hundredth of a second. Holy crap. And so if you haven't noticed, pay attention this week mm-hmm. at Albert Park, how many cars now have exposed carbon on them. That's fun to think about. Suspicion is high. I think Suspicion with new regulations, is everyone is going to be trying to find the loopholes, trying to find the edges of the rules and where they can get a hundredth of a second. What right. is the lead shot of 2022? This We're is, yet to find it. This is fun. So yeah. keep your eye open. Um, keep your one eye open. <laughs> is that <laughs> a theme song? Haas's theme song. Enter Haas, man. <laughs> yeah. Gunter's <laughs> right. <laughs> We're up to never, never lay. <laughs> uh, I want to mention one more. Do you know about the beeping? Oh, I know what beeping is. 
<laughs> like okay. Morse code. So really quick. So the lights go doot, 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 right? Yeah. So the teams, what they would do to get a quicker start mm-hmm. is they would have the race engineers play a beep in their ear that would give them a head start for when the light was about to go out. Like they offset the tempo, like just a bumped, bumped yeah. the BPM back they a bit. Learned. They learned what the cadence was. Fashion days. And then they guys. would play it back in their ear. And so they would get a half second and hit the gas right when the light went out. Oh my gosh. So they did this for years. Like not, Smart. I mean, not like a long time, but like three or four Smart. years. Smart. And the Crazy. FIA got wise between seasons. Yeah. And they randomized when the last light would go out. Oh. And so on the first race, we'll put a video on the show notes, the first race of the season, the lights are going, Mm -hmm. and then before the last one goes out, like six cars start driving. (laughs) (laughs) And then they they totally destroyed the start of the race. What happens if you go before the lights go? It's a penalty. It's a fat penalty, actually. And then they have to restart the whole thing. Well, line it, up the grid again and it go. It depends on if to what extent the start has been blown because they will restart the race if there's just a bunch of drivers that messed it up. Yeah, I've Sorry. never seen that. I've never seen someone um, like jump the gun. Well, and there's also a threshold of where your tire can be on the start as well. And even uh, even as recent as a couple years ago, there was some discussion about Max Verstappen being too far forward. Mika Hakkinen, he was one of them. Mm-hmm. All right, we're tuning into the race here. We got um, Formula One Grand the Prix. The European Grand Prix. At the European Grand Prix. Don't you just love the, the voice of, uh, um, why am I forgetting his name? I'm fascinated that every aspect of it. What can we do audio-wise? What can we do flexible wing-wise? What can we do fuel-wise? What can we do everything? It's everything. They're killing themselves to find a new thing. Yeah, even piping audio into their helmets. Mm. In like a very early era of X-Lax into their feeding tube. (laughs) That's one way they keep that weight down. (laughs) That pesky food weight. (laughs) Something's wrong with the Haas. Smells really bad. Uh, that's amazing. Is that amazing? And the FIA just doing this. I love yeah, yeah. It's a prank from the FIA. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> They're like, oh, you guys think you're so clever, don't you? It's such a little sting. That's amazing. Again, like we, we talk about at least just how dangerous some of the things that they tried as well were. Like that Joe's thing's crazy dangerous. Right. And yeah. and even just talk about like Nikki Lauda. So Nikki Lauda's fire was a very much a cause and effect of the, he, the car was a fuel tank. So the driver was completely surrounded in a fuel tank and then the engines attached to the back part of the car. But this gave it really good balance and this was kind of a purpose of doing it, but these cars were like fiberglass back then. These weren't carbon <sighs> fiber. Right. And so you take an impact right where you're sitting and you're in a very <laughs> exposed jet fuel mm. that is right next to a super a hot engine. Yeah, so it's not a surprise that that happened to Nikki. It's actually a bigger surprise that it didn't happen more often. I mean, watch Tokyo Drift, you know. <laughs> I was going to say watch the movie Rush, but like, <laughs> if you want to know what Which real racing is like... <laughs> Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Definitely Bow Wow. More of a family focus, too. 
The red star on the Mercedes is for Bow Wow. It's actually a green star for his Hulk car. All right. Final thoughts for the episode. Guys, it's race week. We're back to the Grand Prix. And where are we in the world this this week? Where are we? Mike's looking around. Down under. We're just going to grab my didge. (laughs) Mike has a didgeridoo. Should oh, I, Mike, Mike, I no, for you really no, Mike, quick? don't do, what are you doing at that? Mike, put that down. Mike, what are you doing? <laughs> don't hurt him. Oh, boy. All right, yeah. This is what all the engines will sound like in Australia. They put a new muffler on it. <laughs> okay, Mike, Max, give it your best shot. That's le- that's a legit didgeridoo. They they wait for the ones that have been hollowed out by termites. Mm-hmm. Legit. Mine was made by an Aboriginal man, but out of PVC. <laughs> but it's, it works. All you need is a tube. That's a didgeridoo. There you go. <laughs> he just hit that turbo. That diarrhea turbo. <laughs> <laughs> So you said it's in Albert Park in Melbourne. How long is it? How, okay, here's something. How long is the try? I know we don't know off the top of our head, but when I first started watching F1, I was like, mm, it's like a hundred yard dash. <laughs> <laughs> They're like miles long. Last time, last time we raced in Australia. So the last time we raced in Australia was two years ago. Because of COVID, they locked down pretty tight. We were in Australia for a race, but then it didn't take place because they canceled the event because McLaren mechanic had COVID. Mm. So uh, really excited to be going back, but they've also changed the track. Did you guys know this? No, I was going to ask you, what what should we know about the Albert Park track? Yeah, so something that they noticed with the Abu Dhabi GP, which is the end of the season race, was that because of the low speed corners, that track was yielding pretty boring long races and so they altered the track weird low speed is boring weird (laughs) right (laughs) it's but it's really killer for moto gp and one thing that's kind of Uh, interesting is that you're sharing a lot of circuits moto gp is uh, motorcycles correct so when you're sharing circuits with these other racing disciplines and the track makes sense Uh, for them yeah it's not really making a ton of sense for for everyone else so abu dhabi's circuit this last year was the first time that we got to see alterations they made to that track Uh they did away with some chicanes the Mm -hmm. hairpin they turned into like a swooping banked left for safety for safety but also for better racing and to benefit these other series yeah, but more mainly focused on F1 because they okay. knew that the track when they got into those slower corners was just not really suited to an F car, F1 mm-hmm. car, especially with that long wheelbase, which, you know, small side note, these cars were supposed to be shorter and they're not. So these this ones, year? yeah, they're pretty much very similar in size. So mm-hmm. that long wheelbase around tight corners is kind of not great to watch, right? So a lot of these circuits have altered themselves, or I guess Abu Dhabi altered their circuit to make the racing closer, more interesting, and better suited to an F1 car. Mm. Albert Park was one of those circuits that uh, also suffered from a lot of like low-speed corners. Yeah. So mm. Albert Park now has shaved a lot of their 90-degree corners to make them a little wider, a little bit more for swooping and as opposed to like full stop cool. turns. And... They took away a, a chicane completely, making it a straightaway. And guess how many DRS detection zones Albert Park has now? 23. I don't know. Three? 
I didn't know four. Whoa. I don't know how many you had to begin with. And what's average? Two. Okay. Or one. Yeah, some some tracks only have one. Oh, okay. So that's cool. So for them to have this four cool. passing opportunities yeah. at Albert Park, it, this race this week, it could be really interesting. We saw some fun DRS shenanigans at Jeddah. Right. That, yeah. uh, somebody referred to it as Lewis Hamilton's move, that <laughs> Lewis Hamilton had got Lewis Hamilton by other people. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Was he a pioneer of this like... Let him let him pass. He was the first one to let him pass. Are you serious? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I, I love I love me and Parker assuming and Mike's over here losing his mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Let me in. Uh, let me in. Yes. The method the method being let them pass and then catch the DRS and pass them again. Yeah. Which caused that huge controversy last yep. year at Saudi Arabia, which was that Lewis ran into the back of Max, knowing that if he gave Max the DRS advantage, he would just get passed back. Right. So. Mm. This actually sparked a conversation that is now deep in the FIA of how do we fix this? Because mm. last weekend, Charles and Max both locked up <laughs> right. at the DRS. Right. They, didn't wanna, they didn't want to. They didn't want to go into it. And, and so this is like, no, you, no, <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so funny to see that in racing to be like, uh, no, after you, that's I just, insist. That's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a strategy. Now, you know, the right? solution is cut that advantage in half, make right. it a little bit more of a gamble. Whereas at this point, with this car you're going to pass that guy. Right. A lot of these combinations of cars will pass each other. Right. Do they need to fix it? It's just like the drivers need to just plan ahead oh, and no, strategize. No, no. I, I'm not yeah. saying they should, but yeah, if I'm they were saying. to, it's, it'd be just... I think that it maybe if you put it in the corner, in the middle of the corner, it'd be so much harder to drag brake and, right. and exit the corner correctly. Even if you were trying to get a DRS advantage, it would screw up your corner. Yeah. So yeah. I think if you put it in a spot where you can't be so tiptoey and still be able to drive normally i think that you might be able to have that work mm. but having it be like the detection line and this is what dictates it and whatever yeah. there's there's a solution there but anyways it's now a, a topic of conversation because of that exchange where there's, there's a fun exchange i think yeah. it's fun for the fans to watch it is so what can fans look out for this week lots of really high speed racing boss yeah. is going to be crushing it yeah yeah Hopefully Mick and K-Mag, Captain Mag, both in the points. I think... That's what I'd love to see. Yeah, I, th I think we need to put all our energy into getting Mick into the points this weekend. Grab your Tim Tams, grab your ginger beer, get a meat pie. Get your Victoria Bitter. Chug it all down, your swig it up. New. And then join in that, watching that race. Get your meat pie, get your garlic bread. Heaps. Heaps ass, Just get mate. a spoonful of Vegemite, heap it on. <laughs> Quite just right. just, just go ahead and it. devour it. You got a ginger beer. Ginger beer. <laughs> ginger beers. Mike and I, I both lived in Australia ass, for a while. We met in Australia. And <laughs> I was telling Mike the other day, I was like, I can't do an Aussie accent, but I can do an amazing New Zealand accent, which is backward. It is. But there's so many Kiwis in mm -hmm. Australia. There's there's heaps, mate. Heaps, mate. But yeah. So who, who's buying the Bundabergs? Who's buying the Bundies? I'll buy them. Okay. I'll, I'll oh, are you going to bring the Bundys then? Uh, I'll bring some Bundys, mate. <laughs> I'm going to bring the Bundys. And he's going to bring the Bundys. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> I'm Beach Des, bro. I'm Beach Des about these Bundys, mate. I, I can't eat the chip. I only eat plankton. <laughs> oh, thanks for everyone for listening to the podcast today. All right, mate. <laughs> All of Aussie F1 in an Aussie accent. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Bye.
off-key, and it's usually very noisy. 